Today we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In this chapter, Paul rebukes them for the divisions that exist among the members of the church. You might remember this was a big theme at the end of Romans. Remember Romans 15 and 16 where he talked about uh, unity um, and harmony in chapter 15 and, then, and the, the danger of divisions and those who create obstacles in chapter 16. We'll see the same thing here in 1 Corinthians. Um, in, in their particular case, there were divisions and strife between um, those who had come to faith through the preaching of Paul and others who had come to faith through the preaching of Apollos. Apparently, some thought it actually made a difference. <laughs> Paul here sets the record straight and is straightforward with them concerning their petty arguments and divisions. So let's think about uh, a couple of things here in 1 Corinthians 3. And uh, first, it's still all about God and his glory. As stated, this chapter opens with a rebuke against them for their, their fussing and fighting. It, some, it seems, uh, were taking pride in the fact that uh, the great Apostle Paul himself was the one who led them to faith in Christ. Maybe Apollos was a better and more renowned public speaker than Paul and so maybe others were taking pride in the fact that it was under his preaching that they came to faith but we know how foolish that is Paul Paul says so he tells them that that only infants in Christ would act in such a way in verse 1 Paul says the one they should glory in is neither he nor Apollos but God God is the one as he also pointed out in the previous chapter who is to be given credit for every spiritual good that happens in the church whether they came to faith under Paul's preaching or the preaching of Apollos, in the end it only happened, in verse 5, as the Lord assigned to each. Paul and Apollos could only and each do uh, the groundwork of planting and watering, that is, preaching and teaching. But the bottom line is that it is only God who gives the growth, verse 8. If many are saved through your witness, or if no one is saved through your witness, neither outcome is to be laid at the feet of the one witnessing unless they're not witnessing at all. If some come to faith, it is to be acknowledged that God gave the growth. Uh, the second thing I, I want to point out here in chapter 3 is that they should have had a Southerner on the Bible Translation Committee. I promise you, they should have had uh, someone from the Deep South on the Bible Translation Committee. Uh, bear with me for just a minute. Uh, we Southerners have words that others don't or that they have to borrow from us because they make so much sense. Likely the most common word original to Southerners and of value to others is the wonderful word y'all. A magnificent word of much practical value. Um, <laughs> while some may snicker and sneer at that word, um, an example of its real value can be seen in Bible translation or rather how it should have been translated. If, that had, uh, if they had had a, a, a Southerner on that committee. As you may know, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. Well, uh, as the Greek was translated into English, most uh, translation committees, and, and, and bear with me, we might get a little technical here, but it, it, it makes a big, big difference. Most translation committees chose to render uh, second-person singular and second-person plural with the same word, you. You know, first person singular is I, second person singular is you, third person singular is he, she, or it. Well, second person singular is you, and 
when they in in the Bible translation when they moved to plural, they they just translated the plural with you as well. So for example, regardless of whether Paul is just talking to one person or a whole crowd of people, in our English translation he addresses both as you. And while this is not wrong, it should be stated uh, that to us reading the English this is not always helpful. We, 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 we find an example of this kind of thing here in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. And in this verse, we, we see that it really does matter in understanding very clearly something very important. Verse 16, here's how it reads in the English Standard Version. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Now, is he talking to one particular Corinthian or is he talking about the whole Corinthian church together? Well, it's hard to tell by this verse alone. But what if they had had a southerner on the translation committee and it read this way? Do y'all not know that y'all are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in y'all? Well, it would be a lot clearer then, wouldn't it? And in fact, it would be very accurate. <laughs> but someone would say, so what? Well, it's a good question. Let's think about it. As we noted, much of this chapter centers on divisions and strife within the church. And it is in this vein that Paul reminds them that they, plural, are God's temple. And that God's spirit dwells in them, plural. Now it is true that you personally are a temple of the Holy Spirit, which Paul will declare just a few chapters later in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. But here in chapter 3, Paul is telling them that when the whole church gets together, they collectively are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why mention this in a section talking about divisions and strife within the church? Well, I can think of at least two reasons. First, because the Holy Spirit is the very presence of God that demands respect and reverence among the church gathering rather than self-centered division and strife. And second, building on the first, hardly anything quenches the spirit and the work of the spirit in a church more than fussing and fighting and coldness. Some believe that the style of music or the dress code in a church can quench the spirit, and while this may be true, only if the church is actually blasphemous against the Lord Jesus or uh, very, very... Uh, <laughs> Uh, inappropriate, uh, lewd or scandalous clothes are worn. It's unquestionably the case that petty fussing and fighting do not invite the Spirit's presence, but reject His presence. The Spirit works most among a church of people who share a collective joy in the Lord rather than a consistent and contagious bitterness and dislike of one another. Oh, if they had only had a Southerner on the translation committee uh, it would have made a whole lot more sense to a lot of people. And those are just some thoughts from 1 Corinthians chapter 3.